Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. And when I say happy Friday, boy, do I mean happy Friday. Uh, guys, we're going to take a small break until July the 10th. This is a real Friday. The weekend is here in a real way. Uh, we're going to go dark for a couple of weeks here. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you don't stray too far. Hope you don't forget about us. We'll try to end on a strong note. Uh, by popular demand, I put out a, a call and asked, how would you guys like for us to do our final show before a two-week break? And everyone said, Steve Kim, do the Steve Kim show. So unfortunately, we're going to do the Steve Kim show. Uh, Steve Kim's <laughs> going to join me here shortly and help me unpack some sports topics and some, I think some non-sports topics as well as you know, Steve Kim has requested here on the Steve Kim Show. And so let me, and Shamika Michelle is gonna join us as well at the end of the show, but uh, let me pave the way and the road and clear the road, clear the deck for the Steve Kim Show, uh, these special uh, before we take a break vacation of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Bye talking to you guys about our great friends at Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is protection. It's, it's the seatbelt for the information superhighway, the, the internet. The internet is a very dangerous place. It's a place where people spin out of control, they go too fast, they do too much, they take the wrong exit and end up on some porn site or somewhere they shouldn't be, that's why you need Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is your seatbelt for the information superhighway. It protects you. It keeps you on the road. It's your accountability partner. It empowers your accountability partner. You hook it up to your device, laptop, iPad, cell phone, smartphone, whatever, and it keeps you between the white lines on the information superhighway. And when you try to steer off, it will alert your accountability partner. They're like, hey, Jason Whitlock is trying to go to Pornhub. Don't let him do it. And so this tool is awesome. It's the reason why we analogize it to a seatbelt. Let's say you're a very good driver and you always drive the speed limit. You still wear your seatbelt because you know there's other dangerous drivers out on the road. And you know that at any time something bad could happen. So you may be sitting there going, what do I need covenant eyes for? I'm perfect, I don't go anywhere. You can lie to yourself all you want or you can be naive all you want. We all get weak at times. We all need a seatbelt. We all need that extra protection. Covenant Eyes does that. $17 a month or $184 annually, covers up to 10 users on unlimited devices. You can use my promo code, FEARLESS, for a free 30-day trial. The superhighway for information, the internet needs a seatbelt. Covenant Eyes protects you, your family, your relationship with God, and all the other travelers. Surf smart, buckle up, Covenant Eyes. All right, uh, when you do that, and I know that would be, don't be embarrassed. You can send me an email at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. 
I use Covenant Eyes. You should as well. Let me know that uh, you're supporting our sponsors and people that have our worldview and support us. All right, uh, so I've cleared the deck, and now we can get on with Fearless with uh, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve Kim's our host. Steve, I want to start with a softball, an easy topic right up your alley. I want your thoughts on ESPN pulling the plug on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Kellerman's morning radio show as, as ESPN braces for and continues its layoffs. They just signed uh, Pat McAfee to a Supermax contract, and it looks like part of that money is coming out of what they were paying Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Kellerman. Good move, bad move uh, to dump this show. I, I think individually, these three guys have some talent. I'm not sure how good their collective show was, but it wasn't bad. I, I halfway enjoyed it. What do you think about them dumping these three? Well, once again, I will quote the old sizzling commercial. <laughs> Move over bacon, make way for something leaner. And I'm actually surprised you enjoyed that show. It was okay. Um, you know, you had the two brothers and then Max with his white guilt and his hyper-liberal views trying to be down. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. But you know, I read something on Twitter where since Mike and Mike was jettisoned, they have had a revolving door. I mean, talk about an iconic show that did well, highly regarded by the public and the critics. And now ESPN Radio has had this issue. They cannot get a set lineup. And I'm just wondering if all the pressure now is on McAfee to go out there and rescue that whole radio network. And with that said, now does McAfee basically have a free license to do what he does? No handcuffs, no shackles, just be you, bring us some viewers and some ratings. I, I thought and see the McAfee show not replacing these guys in this time slot. That's going to be later in the day. I, I, I don't see McAfee mm. in some early morning show, uh, but, but this is all connected in terms of they had a lot of money tied up in Max Keller and probably four or five million dollars a year. Uh, you know, I'm not I can't really speculate on what they were paying Jay Will and, and Keyshawn, but probably in the seven figures. Uh, and so this is about clearing the deck so they can afford McAfee. And, and you're right about, look, they have not been able to write that ship since moving on from Mike and Mike. That, that, that Mike Greenberg's ego and not wanting to work with Mike Golick has caused them a lot of problems for a long time. I, I wasn't, I thought, you know, th that show, Mike and Mike was comfortable. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think they very often said anything interesting. I get it was comfortable. Affiliates liked it. You know, it was kind of milk toast. Wasn't gonna get you in any trouble. But you're right in terms of they've had Bomani Jones on radio. They've had they've had all these different they, the Levitard show on ESPN. I don't it wasn't a good radio show for ESPN because it went so woke. And 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 at that time when they were most popular, sports talk radio was still primarily an AM endeavor and AM radio just isn't as woke as Dan Levitard and that, that show were. But ESPN Radio has been a mess for a long time. Dan Patrick, 
Didn't he have a show on there at one point? Didn't Tony Kornheiser have a show on ESPN radio perhaps at one point? And now it's a lot of lesser light stars. The one person I find most interesting in this group, and, and again, I don't have a problem with any of these guys, but Max Kellerman is a talented broadcaster. And Max Kellerman is a guy that when he doesn't go hyper woke, has interesting and provocative takes on sports, but he's someone who has made a lot of money, but has never become the full star. Remember, he was the original host of Around the Horn and, and made an interesting move and went to Fox Sports to do IMAX. Max Kellerman was someone 20 years ago, 25 years ago, everyone had pegged for corporate media stardom and it just never happened for him. Why do you think that is? Not sure. He's had a great career in terms of the money, the exposure, the impact of his word. But, And I, I know Max. I generally like Max. But I think he's been bogged down in this white guilt, want, wanting to be down, um, wanting to be invited to the cookout. I get it. But there are certain topics where I can almost guarantee you word for word what he's going to say. And he never lets me down. And it's just too predictable. No one is denying Max's talent or his intelligence. But I think like a lot of white journalists and broadcasters, they're afraid to really tell the truth. And they're very, very filtered. And at a certain point, you just kind of drown them out. I'll be honest with you. I Like that show right there, what I do in the morning is different. I think a lot of this has is interconnected to what is going on with how we consume media. Jason, there used to be a time long time ago where you'd either – click on the radio or turn on the TV, and those were your options. Now when I wake up, I don't do either. I just go on my favorite YouTube channels, whatever's out there, whether it's Angry Man, Pan-Africanism Strikes Back, Chaotic Truth, Jay the Black, or some some of the stuff, maybe going back to your show the day before, that I, a segment that I missed, and that'll be my soundtrack for the morning. So I, I don't know if ESPN can ever recapture the magic or the hold that they had on the American public they once did. That's just my view of it. I, I mean, I, I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear the finger wagging. I, I don't want to hear the lecturing. Uh, I, I need. I, I don't want to hear your politics. I want to hear my politics. And when I go on YouTube, and there's a lot of choices out there, and, and when a guy like Tommy Sotomayor goes on one of his epic rants, I'm on there and I'm busting my guts laughing for a full two hours. That's the truth. So I, I don't know. Maybe ESPN now have to come to the realization there are a lot of other games in town. You, you make an excellent point about, like, there was a time when they had a bully pulpit, and you know what? Yeah. Hey, we can just stuff our politics down your throat. You got no other options. Now there are countless options. And you know what? I don't have to go, I don't have to listen to some woke uh secular person jam left-wing politics down my throat and so I, I, I'll do something else and and that is maybe that is the Achilles heel for for Max Kellerman he never not being a former player not being a traditional journalist he wasn't he was never some newspaper columnist and so I don't know if he knows how to be provocative without being woke. 
an athlete can say something about Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady's play and make news that way. A journalist who, who has a big brand connected to football or basketball could say something and make news. Max Kellerman, outside of boxing, the only way he could make news or be relevant is basically being woke or with a, you know, he did have the Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff stick going for a while. But I, I, I think you're right. The whole thing has changed and the whole dynamic of a morning talk show where you go, hey, let me go get updated on what happened in the sports world. That thing is over because if I want to get updated on what happened in the sports world, I just go to Twitter. Yeah, I, I can get updated on what whatever the relevant news is across the world in all genres, not just sports, on Twitter. And so I just don't have the need to turn on ESPN radio to find out, hey, man, what's the best take or what happened with the Lakers last night or what happened with the New England Patriots game? You're right. Just that traditional sports talk morning show, that whole thing is completely different now. Jason, let me give you an example of how our habits change in terms of what we consume. When I go to Vegas, I generally drive now because it's comfortable for me. It's not a big deal. I plan it out. And what I'll do is the night before, I'll get on my phone and I have YouTube premium. Best $9.99 I've ever spent because it cuts out the commercials. And I'll just pick out videos and it'll be various podcasts, shows, anything else from my favorite content makers and i'll say okay i got nine or ten things punched in and you like them go to the like button and as you hit barstow and zhizhix and state line i'm just going through all these podcasts and all these shows and all these videos from different genres don't even have to turn on the radio one time so that's even changed so even the car radio is something that i'll do if there's no internet service and, and there's about a patch of about 20 miles in between the desert where you see a lot of the wind turbines. I have to go out there and actually put in a DVD player. So I have an older car, obviously. So even in the morning, like, let me give you an example. Yesterday, I woke up and I saw on my YouTube feed that Kane's Insight, one of my favorite websites, did a special podcast on Miami's latest running back recruit. They did a special 25-minute show right up my alley. Bang, punch it in, listen had a great time. So this thing, I'm just telling you, the we've lived through this where we had three major networks, CBS, ABC, NBC. And then we had cable TV, right? Then you had the digital era and the social media era. And what has happened is, is a dilution in terms of the dominance of any one media company. Now, look, the three-letter networks will always have the biggest audiences, but if you actually look at the television ratings from, let's say, 1985, 95 to 2005 to now, you'll see that the most highest popular rated shows, um, they're not just consumed on the regular platforms anymore because now they're stripped away by the streaming. Then you had the DVR concept with TiVo that came in like 15, 20 years ago. So I don't know. Like you said, the bully pulpit, it still exists, but I don't know if it's ever going to be as much of a bully as it was in the past. Any of these three guys, Keyshawn, J. Will, Max, do they make sense for Fox Sports in any oh, capacity? Working okay, with Skip so Bayless or yes. Craig Carton 
they dump Craig Carton if they if, would. They, they haven't done that. You know, with Keyshawn, I find myself disagree, disagreeing with him a lot. But I actually like it. I, I like the fact that he can be provocative. He can be bold, and he doesn't care what people think. He would be, in my view, a perfect foil for Skip Bayless. Because Skip may not like it, and it may have been the beginning of the end of his relationship with Shannon Sharp. I don't want two guys just agreeing all the time or a partner for Skip that's always going to be subservient and just go, yes, Skip, Brady's the greatest. Now it'd be boring TV. Keyshawn can get a little bit heated. He's got some guts. He will push back on Skip Bayless, and it could be some fun TV. Now, the danger is, and we've talked about this, Jason, I don't want two people disagreeing just to disagree. I hate phony debates and conflicts. It's the worst TV. There's nothing authentic about it, and it gets old. But Keyshawn, in my view, would be the guy I would choose out of the three names to be the opposite guy aside from Skip Bayless. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. Steve, I was told, and we'll steer off into trouble here, I was told mm-hmm. you wanted to discuss Juneteenth. Uh, I'm sure this, is this your favorite <laughs> holiday? Uh, <laughs> how did you spend your Juneteenth? Uh, Hadley told me, you know, you wanted to discuss it, so yeah. w- what's your thoughts? I found it interesting in L.A. in my life, living here in Koreatown, and then uh, this past Monday we filmed the three knockdown rule going to Universal City, and then I, after that I went to East L.A. Montebello to my office. If you didn't tell me there was a Juneteenth, I would not have known it was a holiday. Everyone was working. Nothing was really closed. Everyone was kind of going about their lives. But, you know, I I listened to the guys uh, that your guys had the space. And I listened to a large majority of that. I saw your shows the last couple of days. Look, you can debate whether this is a holiday that is valid, whether it's deserved. You can make the argument that all holidays are made up at a certain point. Right. But it's here. Here's the issue that I have for the people that are proponents of this particular day. If you want it to be taken seriously, you better get your young people under control because the images that I saw in Milwaukee, Chicago, and Lemert Park in L.A., I thought were incredibly disturbing. And the most of the people were well-behaved. The problem is that when it becomes associated with looting and fighting and gunshots, mayhem, You're never going to get the rest of the American public on board. You're not. Because the thing that I'm thinking, and maybe I'm going overboard, but the things that I saw, and I say to myself, if it doesn't get any better, this is just going to become a less sexualized, more violent version of Freaknik. Honestly. 
And, and you literally had guys like Pan-Africanism Strikes Back, who I am enjoying his contact. Shout out to Big Brandon out there in Long Beach. He did a five-minute video that I sent to you, and he actually said, we should just ban this. We should just ban Juneteenth. It's not good for us. And my view is if there's a responsibility that if you want everyone to honor this holiday and to be respectful of it, that starts with you. You got to act better than this. It's the God. And I know people, oh, how could you say that? Why? Because I have eyes. I have a set of eyes and I saw what happened. And what happened at that McDonald's, what happened in Milwaukee. Ask yourself this for those who want to like scream at me. Do you think that's good for the holiday? Do you think that's good for the perce- that this holiday already has caused conflicting uh, opinions within the black community. What do you think the rest of America probably thinks about it? So again, that's the that's the thing that really stood out are the images that I saw. And I've been binge watching a lot of these videos from these my favorite content creators about their thoughts on what is basically a new national holiday. What do they say and what do you say? Say, hey man, th- those are aberrations. 98% of the people that celebrated Juneteenth, they're, they're, they weren't oh, so doing that, so peaceful. why are you blaming? No, so yeah, it's mostly <laughs> peaceful. And then and anytime you talk about it or put up a video, you get the, well, put up the Nugget celebration or something, right? And the, the whole team celebrations where all the fans go crazy, that is the sports version or the parade version of What About Favre? You know, there, there is actually a valid point to be made, but... Here's the thing. These vis- these visuals are so strong. And let's be honest, that could have just been another Monday in some of those communities. Okay? That's the it's not like they just choose June 19th. They they kind of do this on June 18th, the 17th, the 16th, go all the way down, go forward. But this is a holiday where my view is you cannot even take off one day to pay homage and to honor your elders your forefathers, and your ancestors. So if my, again, if you can't respect them and behave accordingly, what makes you think everyone else is going to take this holiday seriously? Steve, here's why I'm not going to push back against your criticism and critique and why I think it's fair, at least by the standards set by Black Lives Matter. And, and, and people were sitting there, oh my God, Whitlock's letting Steve Kim, he's Asian, he's saying that he's generalizing about uh, black people based off a few little isolated incidents on social media. How is that any different than the George Floyd video that we use to say, you know, all white people are racist? And you can tackle, oh, well, what about Rayshard Brooks and Jacob Blake and Eric Garner, these are all isolated incidences that we use to make a narrative about white people in law enforcement that's all based off of anecdotes and generalizations. The entire movement is based off of generalizations and anecdotes. And so don't be shocked that other people will play that exact same game. And and this is why I've Never, ever, at one, there was never one moment where I thought Black Lives Matter was a good idea. And I was watching it being uh, supported and promoted through anecdotes and one-off videos. And I was like, oh, you think there's not gonna be a string of one-off videos 
to promote the antithesis of that or the opposite of that and showing all of these fatherless, broken home children in the black community doing stupid, reckless things? Absolutely it is. And people are going to draw conclusions. And so there's this whole little race war, propaganda war that has been being played and led to Juneteenth. And again, that's why the George Floyd thing is so perfect because there would be no Juneteenth without George Floyd. And George Floyd was an isolated incident that everyone used to make a generalization about policing. And so if people want to look at that McDonald's tape, look at the shootouts uh, at Juneteenth celebrations and make generalizations about us, we got to eat that and live with it because we set the rules of this debate and engagement by the way we handled George Floyd and a few of these other isolated incidents. The data proves that, you know, the data proves that far more likely for you to get shot at a Juneteenth shootout than to ever be harmed by the police. And so uh, Steve's criticism, I, I think, is fair. And, and I, I just think that you know, all week, and I've been getting lit up and criticized all week for just pointing out, Juneteenth is a joke. It's a, it's a Texas holiday, perfectly appropriate for Texas. It's not a national holiday. And it isn't even, I mean, we're all running, I said this yesterday on the show, we're running around pretending like, well, this was the official end of slavery. No, it wasn't. They still had slavery in Delaware and New Jersey well after Juneteenth. So we don't even know the history. We're just making it up and trying to justify any and everything because we don't even know our own history. And it's all fly by night, seat of the pants, pull it out of my rear end, and then we try to justify it out of racial loyalty. It's a mistake. Yeah, and, and Jason, the I'll be honest, prior to 2020, I had no idea what Juneteenth was. None. And my guess is I'm probably amongst the majority of the American people that do not live in Texas or certainly west of the Mississippi, outside of Texas, that didn't really know what it is, didn't know the full context of the holiday. I don't have a problem with the holiday because, you know, holidays to me really don't mean all that much. There's a lot I really don't celebrate. To me, holidays are a bit of a nuisance. Things are closed. You can't go to the bank. Although I do like the lesson traffic. I'm not going to lie to you. That's actually one of the perks of a holiday that I do enjoy, especially being in California. But I enjoy my everyday life. I actually like what I do for a living. So I don't actually mind going to quote unquote work or whatever version that is. But there are people in a week or two that will not celebrate 4th of July. In fact, the radicals will come out against it. That's their right, by the way. That is absolutely their right to feel that way about that particular holiday. But they have to understand that thing goes both ways. That there's a lot of people in America that are not going to strike out against Juneteenth. They just will not participate in it or give credence to it. And when you see visuals that, that we saw the last couple of days, that's only going to heighten the feeling. Now, you can argue that it's anecdotal, that it's an isolated incident. I'm just giving you the reality that when you see those videos of the things going on with those kids, 
there's going to be a lot of people that are going to pull back and say, you know what, if it's a Juneteenth thing, I'm good. I'll see you the next day on the 20th. It's the reality. <laughs> hey, that I'm one of those people. I'll catch you on the 20th. Uh, Steve, you've been monitoring uh, this situation very closely with uh, Zion Williamson mm, and mm, mm. Uh, Mariah Mills, I think is her <sighs> name. I'm, there are rumors that there is some sort of connection between you and Miss Mills, the way what? you've been monitoring this situation. No. Uh, no. She's been booted off Twitter, basically, or suspended, booted off Twitter for making threats towards Zion. She's going to expose the sex tape. You think, you think she's getting treated fairly here? I Come on, Elon. Is that where we draw the line, Elon? Come on. This is musky. You know, here's... I'm actually reading reports that now Zion may get traded. And I'm thinking, wow, you got traded because of old Momo. And for the record, I want to clear this up. I have monitored her Twitter timeline. I have not slid into the DM's head first like Pete Rose. Let's get that very clear. Do not besmirch (laughs) my name. But I was just looking at some of these pictures of Zion. And I'm just like, wow, this guy's out of shape. And I'm just wondering if the attraction for Zion is, is this one of the only girls that has a bigger ass than he does? I know that she's all BBL'd <laughs> up and it's not natural. She wasn't exactly hitting the squat rack. I mean, look, look at that. I mean, but now she's threatening to be Mariah Tube. Now that's dirty pool. That is dirty pool. <laughs> Guys, whatever you do, I'm not going to preach to you. Just try to keep the cameras and your phones out of this. You do not want to leave a footprint or fingerprints or whatever. But if he does get traded, Jason, and he's probably played about, what, 50 games total? Oh, get that off. Jason, there are kids watching. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. God, kids. I'm sorry. For you like Bible, two basketballs. Uh, maybe, maybe he was yeah. practicing dribbling. She had two yeah. basketballs tucked in her shorts. Well, yeah, she wasn't crossing over, I'll tell you that much. But people in the Bible, <laughs> I am sorry for that. I am not responsible. Even though it's my show, I can't help what goes on there in the production booth. But he would have to go down as one of the bigger busts in NBA history. And it's not because he bigger can't play. Bust or bust? Bust. Well, she, no, Mariah oh, Mills has one of the biggest busts. But, like, good grief. <laughs> but he would have to go down. I don't know if he'd be in the Anthony Bennett, Michael Olawa candy level. The difference is Zion actually has real ability. I just don't know if he cares enough. Yeah, he's actually a bust who can play. So yes. he, he would be – I'm trying to think <sighs> of who who's, like, a great player that – a, uh, Michael Beasley or something like that that he kind of, could you know, actually play, but is a bust. I still think the most tragic situation of any true NBA top five pick is still Len Bias. Okay, because he never even got to training camp. I, you know, that that death had an impact on me, Jason. I remember it was one of our last days, eighth grade at Lomerset Intermediate in Montebello. I just kind of moved there, and Len Len Bias. I've told people. If Michael Jordan, in terms of ability and talent, was a 10, Len Bias was a 9.9. I thought that much of him. Those last couple of games that he played, there was a game that he played at Carmichael Arena where he just absolutely shredded North Carolina. I mean, he said to Brad Doherty, I'm the best player. I don't know where you're going to get drafted. I'm better than He put up like 38 points. And 
I've always maintained if, if Len Bias has a natural career, I don't think the Lakers ever won another title in the 80s. He was that good. He would have been the answer to James Worthy. But that particular passing kept me off cocaine because I was that afraid of that drug. It was the impact. And two weeks later, Don Rogers, safety for the Cleveland Browns, who played at UCLA, one of the first UCLA Bruins that I've ever really remembered, he died of a cocaine overdose. And those two things have, have really kept me at least away from hard drugs, if not a lot of other things. But Len Bias is a tragedy, and Zion Williamson in his own way is also a tragedy. Perfect segue into Aaron Rodgers, Ugh. who wants to legalize psychedelic drugs. What is, what is, what's Aaron Rodgers doing here? I like Aaron Rodgers but for his anti-vax stance, but now he wants to legalize psychedelic drugs as if you know American kids don't have enough problems. You know, when he was at Cal Berkeley, he showed none of these tendencies, which is ironic given the fact that's Cal Berkeley. I mean, think about the college that he went to. And here we thought he was just this regular guy who liked to play quarterback with a magical arm. I, I don't even know what to think about this. The last thing I want my quarterback that I've mortgaged the future for is to talk about legalizing psychedelics. I just, it's not a great look. I generally am a live and let live type of person, but he's gotten quirkier and quirkier to the point of just being an oddball the last three years. Has he not, Jason? This is the first moment where I'm like, hey, you know what? This Jets thing may not work. This may be a disaster. <laughs> That that and and again, I'm a Aaron Rodgers supporter. Uh, to, you know, I like that he's different. He's a rebel and stands his ground. But he just may just be off. Football's just not that important to him at this time. And I think at his age, it has to be that important to him for him to have a high, high, super high level of success. When you're younger, uh, when you're with a team that you've been established with for 15, 16, whatever years, but he's going into a whole new environment with an organization that hasn't had a lot of success. And if he's not gonna be all about football the way Tom Brady was when he hit Tampa with, with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove, I'm not sure if it's gonna work in New York. Here's the irony. And I'm not making a, a statement on the vax, either pro or con. That's everyone's individual decision. But here's a guy in Aaron Rodgers who decided, nah, the vax is not for me. Don't want that in my body. But then he says a year or two later, but psychedelics, yes, I'm going to take those like Flintstone vitamins. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Whatever your house. Hanging out with Joe Rogan. Yeah. No, Joe Rogan's a fine Joe Rogan's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. But wait a minute. The Joe Rogan is, experience includes psychedelics. Really? I didn't know that. Okay, well, you know, maybe I have to dabble. I don't know what I'm missing out <laughs> That's on. That's why they call it the Joe Rogan experience, man. It's an experience, I mean, all right. Jeez. He, yeah. He's you know. So that's where he's getting that from. All right. Steve, I'm done with your show. I'm moving on. Oh, good. Because I was finished anyway. Great. See you in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll see you July the 10th. Actually, I'll see you. Uh, before then, but I, I won't tell you when. But uh, I'll see you July 10th, Steve. Uh, you'll see Shamika Michelle in just a second. You can email me and us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Shamika Michelle. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom.
All right, Ms. Shamika, I've got two fascinating videos. They're somewhat connected. Uh, we'll start with Dr. Umar Johnson. He sparked a debate online about uh, fatherhood and women and why women uh, are more masculine today than they have to be. He, he made some very interesting points, I thought, Let's play the clip, and then I want you to make it make sense. I want your thoughts on Dr. Umar Johnson's take here. Father, you may be a damn good father, but guess what? What are we doing for the community? What are we doing for the children who don't have a father? You don't think the black woman got a right to be angry when she's been raising two-thirds of the kids by herself for 50 years? And the minute she raised her voice, we say she's not humble enough? I she had I, to become masculine to survive the rape, I, the molestation, mm -hmm. the domestic abuse. Are you telling me you can't see how I, we created that? I understand that, but she needs if to be more If we was loving selective. our women and, and taking care of our women, do you think she would be like that? That if, personality if has if a history. If she's picking Pookie and Ray Ray instead of... You're making her a scapegoat. No, she's the, picking a scapegoat. No, 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 no. There's, there's good Can quality men that they ignore. Why, she even got it? Why, why, why is there even a Pookie in the selection? You got to ask her that. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you why there's a pookie okay. in this election. Why? Because black men have abandoned black boys and have allowed social media, white media, athletes, and rappers to raise them. That's why she went pookie. If we never allow pookie to develop, <laughs> she would not have a pookie. If we're going to be men, the mm -hmm. first thing we got to do is take responsibility for why our women feel the way they feel. I can, I can hear that. I'm not saying yeah. that they're right to disrespect because even if a woman disrespects me, right? Mm. That still don't give me a right to disrespect her because she's still the queen of the community. Even if she's not acting like it, I'm going to give her that respect. But when I hear brothers talk like this discourse we having now, yeah, yeah. we act like we don't understand. No, I do, I reasons do, for that shit. I do understand. I, I, women are so valuable. You get what I'm saying? Like I think women ground men and help them, you know, propel to the to the next level. I, I think men go, get further in life with a woman, mm -hmm. right? But when I, if I'm a hardworking man, but I'm only looked at as, as resources, okay, and then she's ready to jump on Tom, Dick, and Harry because he has he's he got flash. He's uh, shining a little bit more. His access to money is quicker than mine. It's it's kind of hard to have that. that well, no, one, I agree with you, but that's not all sisters. No, it's not. It's and if not. you're constantly running into that type of woman, yeah. then the problem is you because you're attracting a certain low vibrational energy. Why yeah. why, is why that? Why have that same energy for the, for women? You just, you just again, you have because the man Because we have a conversation as men. Yeah. Sometimes I like Umar a lot and I, I, I liked a lot of this in this video. Umar takes a lot of heat for did he build a school or didn't he build a school? Is he just grifting for money? Sometimes I hear Umar and I think, you know, he's he's just hustling women. He, he's, you know, he basically says a lot of things to make sure that when he hits your city, there's always uh, some woman <laughs> waiting for him. But on this, I think he's 100 percent accurate. Yeah, what I liked about this is that he was having a conversation with men and just kind of telling men that it's time to step up. Yes, we know that maybe the woman chose wrong. Maybe she chose a Pookie or a Tyrone or a Ray Ray. But we have these kids now. What are we going to do with th these kids so that 
20 years from now, they aren't causing that same havoc in some other woman's life. You know, they've grown up in this environment and now they're repeating the same mistakes. I think that he's saying at some point, one of us, uh, men or women, we're going to have to put down the sword and stop fighting each other and who decided, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, and realize these problems are here. How are we going to solve them now? Like, what can we do now to change the uh, tomorrow? And so that's kind of what I liked about that. I understand both sides of the argument. I understand the guys that are frustrated that say, look, I didn't, you know, this woman didn't want to be with me. She went out and decided she wanted this thug that she knew wasn't going to take care of these children. Why should I feel obligated to have to step in and take care of these kids? And I realized that when somebody is making you feel like you have to, opposed to you wanting to, and this just something that your heart is leading you to do, it can feel a little bit, like, I ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. That's what my mama used to always say, you know. And so I get that because I've taken in other kids. I had a foster daughter that I took in uh, from high school until she graduated high school. I still try to offer to do stuff for her. She'll come over sometime. You know, she wanted to come over yesterday to wash clothes, you know. And yes, she was in a situation that had absolutely nothing to do with me. Even now she's grown in situations that I didn't create. You would think I don't have to do anything, but I desire to. And I've mentored young girls my entire life, whether it was dance or baton, they were at my house all of the time. This was something that I wanted to do. Now, if somebody had told me, oh, you are responsible for these kids, you have have to do this because, you know, they don't have a mother or, you know, the father chose wrong. I'm not sure how I would take to that. But I do think at some point we have to put our weapons down and stop fighting each other and realize there there are children here that did not ask to be here, regardless of who's right, the mom or the dad. These are kids and they didn't ask to be here. What can we do to help them get on a better path? I think the thing that resonated with me the most is I agree with Umar. And again, I know on this show, sometimes I sound like just a raving lunatic critic of women, all women, and then black women in particular. But my overarching narrative, if you really listen to what I'm saying on the show, is like, we did this, men. If we're looking at our women and saying, man, they out of pocket, they they masculine, they're loud, uh, they're unappreciative, they're blah, blah. That's all as a result, in my view, of our behavior, of, of men. And that is what he's saying. He's like, if we do better, women will fall in line and we'll do better as well. And that, that, that conversation we had earlier this week, I believe on Wednesday, when, or Tuesday, whatever day, we talked about the song Pound Town. And I hear it and I'm repulsed by it, but I'm just like, we did that, men. It, it was inevitable. If we were going to make 30 years worth of music denigrating black women and calling them bitches and hoes, 
Should we be shocked that 30 years later we've created Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, Sexy Red or whatever? That's on us. And, and that is, I think that's a very accurate, necessary message that Umar is sounding is like, hey, man, anything you don't like, it's on you as men. And it's a very biblical, he's not quoting scripture, but it's a very biblical perspective. And, and he's a thousand percent accurate. Hats off to uh, Umar Johnson. T.D. Jakes, you guys know the Bishop T.D. Jakes out of Dallas. He also had some interesting things to say, uh, pushing back against, or complaining about a woman that was trying to give him advice on how to be a father. Uh, do, do we have that clip or, yeah, we have that clip. Let's play the clip of T.D. Jakes. If another childless person tells me how to be a father, I'll scream. I know this is gonna get me on TikTok for sure, but here I go. If another woman tells me how to be a father, I will open my mouth and flat out scream. I, you can no more tell me how to be a father than I can tell you how to birth a baby. I don't know nothing about birthing a baby. I don't know nothing about nursing a child. You have to know what you don't know. Shut up being the teacher and just be the wife. father. Not only are you not a father, most of you didn't even have a father, and yet you're an expert on how to be. Wow. Uh, I think the message he's sounding there is a bit larger. It's subtle and it may go over some people's heads, mm -hmm. but I also think he's basically chiming in on Rick Warren and the whole SBC debate about women as teachers and as pastors and as leaders, I think that's part of what he's saying here. Who knows, maybe, maybe he does something different in his church and maybe he's egalitarian, but that to me sounded like a guy saying like, hey look, stay in your lane, you're not a leader, you're not a father, and again, when you talk about father, you, that, that can have many different meanings. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see T.D. Jake say something uh, this provocative. Uh, your thoughts on T.D. Jakes there. So I also heard a bigger message as well. He started out saying childless. So to me, this speaks to those, you know, teachers that are in classrooms thinking that they know more than the mother or the parents, you know, saying that we just need to let our children come to school and they know what's best for them. I heard that. I also heard him making a distinction between men and women. And so I really like the message because like you said, those subtle, I felt like it was a bigger message reaching 
far greater than just men and women. He really had some other things in there that we could actually pick up if we were really listening. And uh, I I like T.D. Jakes. You know, I think that he is always kind of a little bit edgy, a little bit just straightforward. I followed him for some years. I remember him bringing out Juanita Bynum probably 20 years ago. So to me, he's always been on point. Now, his personal life, that's something different. But when he gives a message, a lot of times it you can really get something for it, even though from it, even those that felt like he was just this... Um, a prosperity preacher, you know, the whole get ready, get ready, get ready. To me, there's always been something that you could actually learn from him if you were open and willing to listen. So with this message, I thought he was right on point and I thought it went out to a wide group of people. You know, sometimes I think different ministers play different roles and a lot of times we get upset uh, when a minister doesn't play the role that we particularly want. I find T.D. Jakes to be a good motivational, inspirational speaker. I don't find myself taking a lot of notes when I listen to T.D. Jakes. Uh, when I listen to some other ministers, Vody Bauckham, Tony Evans, John MacArthur, Andrew Womack, what I find myself taking more notes. Uh, and so, you know, I get the criticism of T.D. Jakes, but sometimes I just need motivation. Sometimes I just need to be inspired. Uh, and, and he plays that role and does it well. So it's like sometimes I'll be on my Stairmaster and actually T.D. Jakes is a good minister for me on my Stairmaster. It motivates me. And, and keeps me up there longer than, you know, someone I, I, I got to hit pause. I, hold on. Let me text myself a little note. <laughs> uh, so I, I tend to I'm OK uh, with T.D. Jakes. And I, I understand the people that call him a prosperity preacher and, you know, all of that. And I understand the people that criticize him for being more of a TED talk. But sometimes I need a TED talk and I, I'm good with that. Uh, Shamika, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, same to you guys in the audience. Uh, we'll be on, we'll be dark until July the 10th. Enjoy uh, our time off. Be good, fearless soldiers. Keep uh, listening to Freedom by tomorrow. Listen to Reclaim the Rainbow by Bryson and Shamika. Uh, we'll see you July the 10th. We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner 